Speaking of bits, not even bits really, something off topic, that uh, I made it to third base last night. Oh yeah? <laughs> no, wait, I don't want to do that. No, might, you don't want to do that. She might listen to this. <laughs> okay, so Mike, so that you actually did, did happen. Then. Okay. What, you think I just made it up? Yes, for Mike, I know any one of us <laughs> would do anything for a good transition into an episode, so I would totally <laughs> believe you made up going to third base. <laughs> By which I'm assuming at this point that could literally just mean you took a first date to an abandoned baseball field and just walked to third base. And then got tired. <laughs> that would actually be really cute for the right person. And then and then dropped to my knees and gave her oral sex right there. That's like <laughs> Welcome to third base, baby. <laughs> third base on a baseball field? <laughs> Are we talking baseball on this week's episode of the Song Topsy Report, Mike? Uh, I think we are, Steve. Oh, man, we're going to dissect some bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm the guy who gets Mike in trouble all the time, Steve Trollinger. I am Nick Brigadier. And I'm Mike Russell. The guy who gets in trouble all the time. A lot of trouble. <laughs> A lot of fouls on Mike's end of the conversation. <laughs> oh, you really uh, hit that one out of the park, Nick. Stop it. Guys, are we a grounder? Because we're on a roll. I think some ladies think I'm a grand slam, and uh, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Is that a Denny's reference? <laughs> I do get them breakfast after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the least you could do. <laughs> Uh, but yes, as I hinted at very secretly... It was very um, subtle, Steve. Very subtly. Uh, today, uh, we are going to be talking baseball. On our music podcast. On our music podcast. <laughs> Guys, remember uh, some odd years ago when we covered uh, that old baseball hymn, Take Me Out to the Ball Game? What an episode. I learned so much that day. I believe that is, yes, the uh, oldest song we have ever covered on this podcast. 1912. It's very difficult to find music older than that. Woo. I mean, recorded music. I'm aware that music existed prior to <laughs> sure, 1912. Yeah. <laughs> just all crap. It's just a bunch of bunch of monks and abbeys with hurdy-gurdies and shit. Boring. You love that music. <laughs> I attack it because it's true. <laughs> there's a there's a whole like Gregorian chant filled hard drive in your house. I've seen it. Oh my god, the best of Gregorian chanting was my the best album I ever bought from one of those uh, as seen on TV commercials. I don't regret it. <laughs> but so we we uh, before today we had shown. Uh, we've shown our ass, ladies and gentlemen. We've shown our ignorance. Was I? For, oh, I was gonna say I don't think I was there for that episode. No, vis-a-vis our knowledge of baseball. If there's one thing the three of us have less expertise in than music, it's the game of baseball. That is not true, Steve. I was telling you ad nauseum prior to this episode how I played Little League as a youngster and quickly stopped because I was terrible at it. Yes, that was the part you focused on more. <laughs> it sounded like you went through a lot of hardship and pain during those years, Nick. Look, it, it, it made me the man I am today, a podcaster. Who still can't play baseball. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that's okay, Nick. You don't need to know how baseball is played today. Oh, thank God. You just need to know that it has been played, and specifically, who played it. Um, so we are talking about, uh, if you remember when we talked about taking him out to the ball game, 
Uh, our ultimate thesis was that it was written by people who had never seen a baseball game. Yeah, uh, it is a hundred percent true. Yeah, go back to yeah. episode. Uh, it's in the it's in the ballpark <laughs> of episode fifty, I believe, fifty one forty nine, something like that. Um, so, whereas "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" was written by people who had never seen a game, the song we're talking about today was written by a baseball super fan. So much Ooh. so that I did copious amounts of research to figure out who the hell this guy was talking about. <laughs> Uh, for a song uh, called Talkin' Baseball by Terry Cashman. If you want to play a little bit for that for me, Nick. <clears throat> the Wiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Yogi! Rock and roll. <laughs> you got a friend in me. That's all I heard. Um, no, not Randy. Terry. <laughs> Terry Cashman. Um, first, uh, a little bit of background. Um, I am not a huge baseball fan. I don't think any of us are. I think we Of course, that. we like excitement uh, and interesting things. Right. Dude, I'll tell you what, though. My parents, they're in their 70s. They fucking love baseball, man. That's up right up their speed. You know, nice and slow. Uh, they'll they'll like this episode then, like maybe depending on what we say. But it's um, so I wanted to talk about this because uh, one, it's technically baseball season, even though there hasn't been a whole hell of a lot of playing lately, for obvious reasons. Uh, but also a, a very close friend of mine. I'll get slightly serious for a second. A very close friend of mine um, had a rough couple of weeks the past weeks i won't go into specifics because it's it's their business but uh i wanted to do this episode because uh baseball specifically uh the mets and mets baseball is uh, very dear to them and i wanted to dedicate this episode to them to hopefully make them feel a little better even though we might be shitting on the sport that they love uh <laughs> so we're not gonna shit on the mets is that what you're telling me yeah like don't we... shit don't shit on the mets <laughs> okay i like the mets i like the mets They've had a they've had a tough go around out there, and you know, oh man, I remember what about four years ago? Oh, I thought they had it. I thought they were gonna have it, man. Was it 2016 when they had the really like they had like the Grom? I don't know. I will 100 <laughs> percent have to take your word on that, Mike. This is the one area of ex- this one area, Mike. You could just say stuff, and we'd believe you. We wouldn't have any way to see if that's right or not. <laughs> Use this terrible power with discretion, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but first, a little background. This is, uh, song was written by Terry Cashman, who was born Dennis Minogue. He's a record uh, record producer and singer-songwriter, originally from Washington Heights. No uh, kidding. Yes, where a few of us used to live. And Can I also uh, ask, Steve, when did the song come out? I can't place the period just based oh, sorry. on what I heard. This was uh, written in 1981. 81, okay. So. And is that, there's actually a very specific reason for it to be written at that point point in time which i'll get to in a second because the because vo- um, the, the artist said i can't write this until ronald reagan's president and so he's been holding off for years and years and years actually yeah kind of wait uh, <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> shit. i'm gonna stop pulling things out of my ass and just let you talk steve because apparently it's the same because apparently nick is a soothsayer <laughs> um so he was uh originally from washington heights and a giants fan until they moved to san francisco uh, uh when the, he then became a mets fan in 1972 um, he was lead singer and songwriter for a number of different acts throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, 
He even played minor league baseball for the Detroit Tigers in the early 60s. Um, so he never really had a hit of his own. He wrote hits for other people. <laughs> and He had a lot of balls, though. Yeah, hit, he but, hit a lot of balls, balls did, like, walked, a, walked a lot of players. He <laughs> uh, was inspired in 1981 to write an ode to baseball uh, by a picture he found of baseball greats Willie Mays, Duke Snyder, Joe DiMaggio, and Mickey Mantle. Uh, and also uh, because of the, cur- the ongoing, at this time, 1981, MLB strike that was currently grinding the whole season to a halt did you say billy mays did i say no i said willie mays yes Uh, that means billy right that's (laughs) i think they're different people (laughs) they're very different people i want to see billy mays here up to bat really gonna show you how this was a clorox cleaner he was using what was no oxy he oxy cleaned the bases that he ran past them so quickly There we go. Uh, Thank you. No, Steve, I was actually very <laughs> proud of myself in terms of how many of those names that you mentioned I actually recognized. Yes, they were all uh, center fielders uh, at roughly the same time, and who they played. Each of them played for one of the three different New York baseball teams that existed at the time. New York, by the way, the only town that actually has three baseball teams, or at least had at various points. And, and you know what? You know what I love about the baseball team, Steve. You know what I love about the baseball teams is that they're actually in fucking New York. Unlike our football teams, I'm telling you, they might as well be the New Jersey Giants, the New Jersey Jets, and the the true New York team, the the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia. <laughs> so. Uh, Terry Cashman was inspired by a photo he saw, uh, he saw uh, and he quote, I quote here, When I saw the photo, I said, this is just incredible. It captures so much of the history of baseball in New York City, and I started thinking about writing a song. I kept trying to put Joe, Joe DiMaggio, in there with Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, but it wasn't really clicking. That's when I realized that Joe really was before these guys timed. And they, the other three, were all great young players at the same time. That's when I said to myself, my God, it's Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, which is the subtitle of the song, Willie, uh, Mickey, and the Duke. And that's what all the arguments were about. And the idea of these three great center fielders in New York at the same time, it could only happen in New York because this was the only town with three teams. So that was uh, what inspired him. And actually, years later, he wrote this song years later at... uh, um, uh, Cooper's is it Coopersville, the Baseball Hall of Fame in up, upstate New York. Ooh, upstate Cooperstown, Cooperstown, um, Cooper something. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, Cooper paratrooper. The, yeah, at the MLB <sighs> Hall of Fame for that year, he actually ran into Joe DiMaggio, and what had happened when they were coming up with the album cover for this song, he wanted to use that photograph that inspired him. But because he couldn't fit Joe DiMaggio in the song, he actually had Joe DiMaggio washed out of the picture. So it was just the other three. Wow. And, fu- so a big fuck you to DiMaggio. Wow. And, and years later, Joe DiMaggio met Terry Cashman. And at, beat the shit out of him. Yeah, at Cooperstown at the MLB Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, and said, so you're the guy that rubbed me out, huh? <sighs> and he's like, you're going to have to be way more specific on that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Terry Cashman, who, again, still a big fan of this guy, was like, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I, I couldn't do it, I couldn't fit it, so I had to, but I'm, I'm writing a new song, and you're in it a lot, don't worry. And then he wrote a new song about the, it was that song was about the Hall of Fame, and then years after that, 
he met Joe DiMaggio again, and DiMaggio remembered that conversation and said, okay, I see where you were going with that new song. All right, I really appreciate that. Wow. Also, Joe DiMaggio, great memory. Steve, can I... Can I ask a quick question here? Is this a song I should be aware of? It sounds like I'm getting the air about the way you're describing this, that this is a popular song. Now, granted, once again, I am in the outfield (laughs) when it comes to baseball, so uh, I very well could be oblivious to this. Well, this song was mostly ignored by the major charts at the time of its release and was dismissed as a novelty song. But it is remembered very fondly by baseball fans. Uh, so this is quite literally a song for fans by a fan. Um, only and, fans, so to yeah. speak. And only fans. And some people our age might know it based on a version of it that they heard in their childhood. But I'll get to that towards the end of the episode. Terry Cashman uh, has uh, been recording new and updated versions of the song since the original. And he's actually written a version of the song for most of the Major League Baseball teams, specifically about their teams and their team's history. Wait, is this song... Oh, my... So this guy was making the We Didn't Start the Fires for every single, like, era yeah, of baseball? Kinda. Like, He's, <laughs> yeah, kind of. It earned him the nickname The Balladeer of Baseball. What a oh. lofty title. I was actually going to say, is it more like the Do They Know It's Christmas, where, like, every year... He, they re-record a different version with different people. It's almost like, this is actually brilliant. If he can record a version of this for each team, that's like revenue streams for the rest of your life as long as they're still teams. Wait, I'm sorry. I just, the nickname, Nick, don't take this personally. But does the, so if uh, if you were to share a similar nickname in terms of baseball, would you have been the bad brigadier of baseball? The bad brigadier, Mike. Why would you be offended by that? Absolutely, I would love to be the bad brigadier of baseball. I, that's such a cool name. I would literally go back into baseball in some way, shape, or form just to do that. BBB. Wouldn't that imply there's a second, separate brigadier who is playing baseball and is good at baseball, though? Wait, how would that apply? That, <laughs> that to be that would... the bad brigadier of baseball, must that, there also be, be a good brother. brigadier of baseball? <laughs> Uh, but I'm teasing. <laughs> before 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 Nick loses all will to live, uh, Cashman I'm... also wrote this song due to the 1981 Major League Baseball strike. Uh, I'm sorry, Major League Baseball strike. Nice. Uh, thank you. Uh, the strike was called by the players' union over unresolved issues over free agency. I won't get in this. Wait, it wasn't called that, by obviously. the umpire. No, it wasn't called by the umpire. <laughs> okay. It's called by the by, by the players' union. Uh, but because there, there, there wasn't the the season was essentially split in half. Like they didn't have half of a season by the time this got sorted out. Uh, it resulted in I think like seven hundred canceled games, four million dollars lost in player salary, seventy two million dollars lost for the owners, one hundred forty six million dollars lost in total revenue. And Holy because shit. of that, yeah, because of that, this is a big industry. Because of that, Terry Cashman was like. That and that photograph he found, he was <clears throat> wistfully remembering the good old days of baseball with all of the all of the great players that I had no idea who they were and had to quickly figure it out. <laughs> um, and that's what inspired him to write this song. So uh, with that little bit of history ado... Yeah, that uh, is a bit of a paradox, though, isn't it? How so? When everybody's striked, but that means they walk, it doesn't go together, man. Because you're... 
You're, do you, you do you suppose that there was one guy in the union, like the union hall during the meeting, trying to figure this out, who was making those jokes, and this everyone is, just telling him to shut the fuck up? Shut, dude, we got serious things happening here. You can't. You're trying to put things together that don't matter. Like, no, no, guys, come on, come on, no, think about it, think about it. We're walking while we're striking. I don't think we can do this. I, it's too perfect. Um. So with with that bit of a do. We will get into the song. A dissection is imperative. So it's going to be a bit of a history lesson, because again, oh, as as Mike stated, this is, or Mike or Nick stated, this is kind of a we didn't start the fire type of song. That was me. It was. Yes, thank it you, was. Mike. <laughs> um, so uh, let's, uh, let's have a listen to the beginning again. The Wiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking. So is this baseball's fault? Is this baseball's fault that everyone got locked up for marijuana usage for so long? The drug, oh, wa- cool. the drug wars truly began with this song. So this song was the the chronology of how he wrote this song he was writing from the perspective of those three players i mentioned uh, mickey mantle um duke snyder uh and whoever the third one was i can't remember now um okay mickey Ms. mickey mickey mantle i was gonna say uh, okay rick perry thank you and uh what was that other department and <laughs> so he was writing it from their perspective at the like this they were the start so like the 50s to his current period which is the 80s so this song is going to go through like the biggest, baddest, most famous baseball players from those decades. Uh, so this sort of first verse is taking place in the 50s. Uh, and the first bit of the verse uh, had uh, had gone, the Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it. The Wiz Kids uh, is a reference, it's a nickname for the Philadelphia Phillies in the early 50s, uh, specifically the team that went to the World Series in 1950. Uh, they got that nip- nickname because a lot of their players were very, very young at the time. And so they, because th- this, these sort of like young new players brought them to the, uh, to the World Series, they got, they got the name the Wiz Kids. But not because of their massive urinary tract infections. <clears throat> no, thank you, Nick. That's what I was waiting for. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting to see if someone picked up that. I baton. thought they were all. I thought they were all super smart and part of the Scholastic Kids program. Is that even still a thing anymore? <laughs> you remember that? Is, <laughs> Do you yeah, remember when you could anyone... get free pizza at Pizza Hut if you brought your little reading thing showing that you had read like four books? You get a free yeah. pizza. <laughs> no, yeah. there was no finer day at the old elementary school than the Scholastic Book Fair. Ugh. <laughs> Just jumping into that mobile library. Big metal, metal metal ass cases that look like they should have like rifles in them or something. (laughs) Pretty sure this is how. Pretty sure this is how gun runners move their merchandise. But they armed (laughs) you with the most powerful weapon of all, Steve: knowledge and imagination. (laughs) Yeah, and on the weekends, guns. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta gotta have that side hustle. Gotta have that side hustle. Gotta have that sidearm hustle. Yeah. Sidearm Sidearm hustle. Ah, Thank you. Nick, Nick, you're a real whiz kid when it comes to, well, not baseball, but definitely puns. Sidearm hustle. Um, So the whiz kids have won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. 
Bobby Thompson was a, a murderer, right hand, and he had killed the person. He had done he it. Killed, he had done it. He was Big Lurch. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what a career he had before he ate. He someone. did it. He did it to you. He did it. To you. <laughs> Bobby Thompson. Is that a throwback from like 130 <laughs> oh, episodes ago? Yes, it was. Oh, Steve, Bobby, well played. <laughs> Bobby Thompson was a right-handed outfielder who is most famous for the shot. Heard round the world, and I do want to talk about this. Wait, he bit. started the Civil War. He started no, first of all the <laughs> Revolutionary, Revolutionary War. Oh, Revolutionary, that one. Yeah, that's what I. But meant. thank <laughs> you, th- thank you for trying, Mike. No, Mike was on. <laughs> Mike was on the right track. We can't all be no, those kids. This was the other one, also known as the Miracle of Coogan's Bluff. Uh, it was a uh, a walk off home run that he hit, a three run walk off home run, like the the like. The perfect, like, movie-ending baseball scene. Bottom of the ninth, game's almost over, bases loaded. Bobby Thompson for the, uh, at, the, uh, at the, the, the last, last playoff game of the season, right before the World Series, hits a home run to walk all three players off. Like, the, the, they were down by two. He, ne- he hit the home run, netting them the plus one that they needed to get that score at the very end of the game like it's picture perfect things Damn. that only like script writers write this actually happened in real life oh, it was I also love, i love when life is better than a movie man it just oh, hasn't happened often recently it it was and what was really crazy is that it also happened during the first nationally televised baseball game this was the very first game televised to millions of people Wait, and that happened do you know what year that was it was it was it was in the fifties. Okay, we, got, the we 50s. got we need to let the people know the facts. I think I've got plenty of fucking facts. <laughs> right? um, it's also the origin of the famous exclamation. I don't know. It, most the this is used as kind of like a jokey thing sometimes, but like the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. Do you ever did have you guys ever heard like that exclamation before? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so, the origin so that, of it. That's where it's from, it's from the that's first where, televised baseball game. Yeah, there's one of the announcers. Uh, the number of different stations, radio stations, were calling the game, and one of the announcers had a like shit fit meltdown and just started shouting, "The Giants win the pennant! The Giants win the pennant!" And then in the after action report, all of the other announcers basically shat on that guy for being very unprofessional with that call. But screw them, he's immortal and they're not. Yeah, they just haters, man. Hater's going to hate. Also, listeners, try screaming that line in the bedroom the next time you're intimate with your significant other. Just see what happens. Oh, yeah. Nick. Nick, you're going to do it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> the Giants win the pennant! <laughs> um, so Bobby Thompson had done it. Not that on TV. He had done the other thing I talked about. Um Killed someone, and yes. He killed someone. And Yogi read the comics all the while, referring to the great Yogi Berra, uh, Lawrence Peter, Yogi and Berra. Bo- and Boo Boo Berra, right? And, okay. I, let me get to that, Mike. <laughs> one thing uh, at a time. One of, one of baseball's greatest characters and players, 13-time World Series champion, three-time American League MVP. But what he was most known for, one, he was... Uh, the cartoon character Yogi Bear is named after him, as Mike pointed out. Um, he was a fan of comic books and even was the protagonist of a series of comic books published about him. Uh, and God, he was what an especially, ego trip. 
He was especially known for being very quotable and paradoxical in his speech. Yogiisms. Yeah, he was very famous for such things that people kind of take, a gra- take uh, for granted now, like the phrase, it ain't over till it's over. That was him. He came up with that. Wow. what a, He's um, an inventor. It's like deja vu all over again. He came up with that. <laughs> um, but other, other like less known ones that I love are, uh, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. <laughs> and a, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. Steve, based on the four examples you cited, was he brilliant or did he just not know what words meant? It could be both. You know, I guess they're not mutually exclusive. Nick, words are just words, man. It's, it's the that's feeling a very, behind them. That's a very Yogi Berra thing to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and he said this, which I think is what is how Mike lives his life without realizing it. He said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love Yogi, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, uh, the national, that was Yogi Berra. The national pastime went on trial. Um, baseball... Obviously, it has been called the national pastime for a very long time. Uh, but in the 50s, there were uh, several attempts to overturn baseball's exemption. Baseball companies were exempt from antitrust laws. So they could... Wow. Th- yeah, they Wait, could just... Wait, is that why could, it was America's sport? <laughs> they could own... Yeah, you know? Basically. <laughs> they could own anything. Like, the any team could buy up any sort of... They could buy... They could own the field, and they could own the vendors selling the refreshments. They could... Like, they... they And they just got away with it. And in the 50s, baseball literally went on trial uh, when uh, it was brought to several different... Uh, uh, I don't know if it was the Supreme Court, but it was uh, called it was Toulson v. the New York Yankees. So the New York Yankees went to the Supreme Court, amongst other places. Wow, they've been everywhere else. Um, and obviously, marijuana we would scorn because this was the '50s, guys, and marijuana was bad for you back then. No, nothing, nothing for that. Okay. No, I'm uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I am just still shaking with so much anger, Steve. That. Just then the take amount, some marijuana. Yeah. It'll calm you down. You know what? You're right. Here, you want me to do this, Nick? No, 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 <laughs> no don't do that. No. So uh, it, it we'll move on to the uh, chorus. Baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie. Mickey and the Duke. Oh man, I like this song. I, I just don't can't. like it. What? You can't if you appreciated the Nick, this guy's doing all references. This is beautiful. References if, to look, it's references to the, things the, I'm not inter, that I'm not interested in, which I won't hold against it, you know, to each their own. However, I mean, this, this is the the purpose of this show is 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 perfectly fine if somebody wants to hate this and someone wants to love it. This song it's it's got that happy-go-lucky vibe to it that seems unironic, which almost makes it seem like like the beginning of like Blue Velvet, like a like a David Lynch movie where you're trying to show like quintessential happy-go-lucky Americana, but like there's something really obviously evil underneath the surface. This sounds like the soundtrack to that. Oh, can't baseball. The Duke, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Yeah, I also didn't know that baseball players had like. Justice League names. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was that was a thing to just way they, back when. 
They were American heroes, guys. These guys were extreme athletes that were able to hit a ball so fucking hard it flew out of stadiums. Like, who who decided that baseball players were the heroes? Who decided that? Not the Supreme Court, that's for (laughs) Clearly not. Uh, The Supreme Court was just a hater. Yes, I would agree with that (laughs) statement as well for most of its history. Um, so we're talking baseball. We're talking unfortunately, Klazuski. unfortunately, we're talking Klazuski, uh referencing Ted Big Clue Klazuski. Ted uh, Big Clue, Big Clue, Big K L U. He was the one who found out what's his name did it. Oh, because he found a big clue. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave there's Nick. Some, and, there's something dirty there. There's something we're, d- no, we're, it's just we're dumb. Push, <laughs> we're just sending so Nick dumb. to the left. We're taking Nick to the left field for that. He's yeah. gonna, that was where my he, actual little league coaches put me. Because like, oh, the ball oh, never goes there. He'll be fine. Goes there. It never does, Nick. Um, he was a left-handed uh, first baseman who played for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Campanella uh, was Roy Campanella, who was one of the first African American players allowed in the major leagues. He was the son of a Sicilian man and an African American woman, and is often considered to be among the greatest catchers in the sport's history. Um, and unfortunately, his career ended abruptly due to a car accident in 1958. Uh, but he, uh, in that short amount of time, well, garnered a, a lot of accolades. Good uh, for him. But yeah, him, uh, him, um, obviously Robinson. <laughs> Nick, you don't uh, mean it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah, uh, good, yeah good for him. Yeah, what, baseball stuff? Okay. <laughs> It's not that I don't acknowledge that baseball takes talent, it takes drive, it takes dedication. It just doesn't entertain me. Seeing a bunch of semi-overweight men stand around a field for several hours and occasionally sprint is not entertaining to me. Uh, Talking baseball, the man, the very imaginative nickname, Stan the Man uh, Musial, um, who is considered among the best pure hitters in the sport's history, Bobby Feller, uh, one of the most dominant pitchers of his time, spent his career with the Cleveland Indians uh, and was distinguished by a high strikeout rate and a fastball feared by hitters, which earned him the nickname Rapid Robert. So Bobby Rapid Robert Feller is his name altogether. And then you got the Scooter, which is for Phil Scooter Rizzuto, who was a a shortstop for the Yankees, um, who actually coined the catchphrase, holy cow. What? Yeah, that was not a thing before him. Scooter? He, he said that- Scooter. Phil Scooter Rizzuto coined the phrase, holy cow. What did people exclaim before then? <laughs> holy chickens. Was Did they at least have, like, jumping jeepers or something? Well, maybe. Great Caesar's ghost, perhaps. Oh, yes, everyone was exclaiming that every time anything surprising happened prior to that. Oh, man, wait, what came first? Holy cow or Jesus and crow? Probably holy cow. Wait, Jesus Crow? Yeah. I've never it's heard so, Jesus Crow. It's so you don't say Jesus Christ, so you say Jesus Crow. Oh, I, I mean, I did see Jesus Crow Superstar, but I didn't know that was an expression prior to that. Also, that's bullshit. He knows what you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus gets what you're trying to get away with. Um, the scooter, the barber, uh, Sam uh, Maglier. Uh, who's nicknamed the barber for his willingness to throw pitches high and inside to players up to under their chins. So, like, oh, you know, he beamed a bunch of them. 
He must probably. <laughs> Yo, did you see Tampa Bay uh, and the Yankees going at it this last week? Oh, Mike, it was what? Beam Central, baby. Mike, oh. what in what in have we been talking about? How have we been talking that's made you think either Nick or I could answer yes to that question? To any listeners out there, what did you guys think? Hit DM us back me. at the Songtops <laughs> Report at gmail.com. Yeah. Yes, throw a uh, fast one in our DMs. <laughs> the barber the barber actually played for three New York teams. He played for the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Giants. Ooh. He just he just didn't want to he just didn't want to move. He just didn't want to. He liked his apartment, I guess. <laughs> he didn't want to suffer through moving day, right, Mike? Yep. Oh my God, don't yo yo. He did not want any part of that, man. Just like. <laughs> uh, and the nuke, which is actually it's not N U K E, it's N E W C, which is short for uh, Dan uh, Don Newcomb, who was another first African American player in MLB, uh, and was National League's uh, Rookie of the Year, and. Uh, mismanagement of his pitching schedule would lead to injuries as well. So that's two African-American baseball players who had their careers cut short due to unfortunate injuries. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy theory here, but obviously they're not taking care of some people. Um, And uh, so, yeah, uh, then we go on to verse two. Well, KC was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. One Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking. Uh, so a lot to unpack there. Kate uh, Casey was winning uh, refers to Charles Dillon Casey Stengel, who wasn't very distinguished as a player, but was one of the all-time great managers uh, with seven World Series titles under his belt and remains tied for the based for the best uh, World Series titles, number of World Series titles in baseball history. Um, and Hank Aaron was beginning, I don't know if I need to say who Hank Aaron was, but he is best known for hitting 755 home runs over his career, breaking Babe Ruth's standing, long-standing record of 714. And uh, Hank Aaron, again, a great African-American baseball player, was not well-liked after breaking the Great Bambino's record um it was accompanied by much racially tinged animosity towards him he got death threats uh. like he had to change at addresses he uh there were a lot of angry white folks it's basically. it is such wait describe american damn. history in one sentence steve there were a lot of angry white folks a lot of angry white folks no sorry mike i interrupted you were saying no i just i just think it's a damn shame that you know people you know, they get so caught up in connecting with players by their, whether it's what their race is or where they're from, when at the end of the day, it's like, just respect. I mean, this is a person who is incredible at the sport you love and has accomplished so many um, amazing feats. Like, this should be celebrated. It's, uh, I just feel like some, some people, they just get so clouded and they don't realize that we can all be on the same team. Some some real powerful actual words from Mike Russell. But Mike, unfortunately, baseball is literally about being on different teams and rooting for one of the teams. So he Hank Aaron uh, was actually awarded the going to what Mike said about not being recognized. Uh, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2002 on top of various other baseball accolades like the World Series, uh, Gold Gloves, Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Um, so there's not a lot of baseball players that can say they were awarded that. No. I, I, I also don't know. I can't remember now if that's also the thing that got rewarded to Rush Limbaugh, in which case, uh, <laughs> Uh, one Robbie going out, one coming in, which is a reference to Jackie Robinson, who was at the end of his career at this point, and, uh, uh, and obviously I don't need to probably say who Jackie Robinson was, but he was the first African-American player in Major League Baseball ever, broke the, the color barrier. Um, and the other one is Frank Roberts, Frank Robinson, who was no relation to Jackie, they just both had the same last name, Robinson. Uh, who started his career in 1956, the year that Jackie Robinson retired, and was the first player to win the MVP award in both the American and National Leagues, and later became the first black manager in the major leagues as well. So, But neither of them were ever called Robbie, so I think that was just Terry Cashman trying to, uh, i got to figure out how this fits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both called Robbie, right? Yeah, they're, they're, someone probably called him Robbie. Now, Steve, I don't want to jump the gun on anything, but you mentioned that the reason the song came out in 1981 was for a specific reason? Well, it, not for a specific reason, but he wrote it because of the 1981 baseball Because strike. of the strike, gotcha. Yeah, because of the strike. Uh, the, the Ronald Reagan thing is a connection I'll get. That's in verse three. Okay. For you, if that's what you were, if that's what you were uh, looking at. Or Maybe looking a little. Okay. Uh, I, look, I told you guys this is what this episode is going to be, okay? you got to go with me on this. <laughs> you did once. Uh, uh, Ky- uh, Kiner ref- uh, is a reference to Ralph Kiner, um, who was actually who was a, a another guy injury short in his career he spent most with the Pittsburgh Pirates but he gained much greater fame after his retirement working as an error prone but but much loved announcer for the New York Mets um i couldn't find a video of some of the calls he made cuz a lot of them were like 3 hours long that's how many times this guy got a little tongue tied on on the air <laughs> 3 hours but, yeah a few of them were pretty pretty long um some good some good ralph kiner quotations uh uh don sutton lost 13 games in a row without winning a ball game yeah yeah, yeah. He, he did did ralph <laughs> if casey stengel were alive today he'd, he'd be spinning in his grave <laughs> oh i love him already yes uh kevin McReynolds stops at third and he scores uh- <laughs> <laughs> All of the Mets road wins against the Dodgers this year occurred at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> Stop it. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, two or, I love this one. Two-thirds of the earth is covered by water. The other third is covered by Gary Maddox. <laughs> and the, finally, there's a lot of heredity in that family. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, if anybody has two hours to kill, please go find some of Ralph Kiner's quotations because uh, he uh, he he is very entertaining. But be, but again, one of those things is like, oh, man, I love that guy. I can't wait to hear him talk. It's not sort of like throwing like eggs and tomatoes at him. It's like, get someone who can talk. No, he's a show <laughs> unto himself, it sounds like. He is. Um, this one is a bit of baseball history. Midget Goodell. Oh, yeah. The baseball career of Eddie Midget Goodell <laughs> lasted for all of one at bat. The it was a short. Fo- it was a short time up there, huh? Oh my god! <laughs> I, 
The three foot seven dwarf had worked as a riveter and performer before St. Louis Browns owner Bill Veek, anxious for publicity, signed him to a contract and had him bat in the second game of a doubleheader against Detroit in 1951. Wearing the number one eighth, he kept his bat. He kept his bat on his shoulder because Veek had warned him that he would be shot if he even dared to take a swing. What? Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> the Browns owner basically just said, you go out and you stand out there for one at bat just so we could get some publicity. But I swear to God, if you try to hit that ball, I'm going to have you shot. Oh, my God. Everything you just described was so sad, Steve. I thought it was, uh, it all, gets I thought it was all fun and games until they said they were going to shoot him. Like, uh, it gets it gets it gets sadder. Um, Detroit pitcher Bob Kane threw all four pitches high to walk Adele, who was then replaced by a pinch runner. Um, afterwards, he continued to appear in promotional appearances until he suffered a fatal heart attack after being beaten in a hate crime. Oh my god! Oh so my god! That, yeah. Who's beating up these little people? And thank you for using more contemporary terminology, Mike, than this song is. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, um, oh, well, little people, I guess, doesn't fit the meter. I don't know. Listen, I gotta say, I f- I feel this guy's pain. You know when I when I you know and Nick, do this you, is for Mike? You, this is for you do, too. Six Nick. foot three, Mike. <laughs> do you really feel his pain? Listen, back when I was a kid, Nick, I myself struggled with baseball. Okay, <laughs> and we were in a scrimmage. And we were already down by seven runs, and it was the last inning. And as we all know, the best thing to do is to run around the bases. That's all you want to freaking do because there's nothing that happens in goddamn baseball until you run around the bases. And my coach pulls me over, and he goes, hey, listen. After you get on base, we're going to give you a pitch runner because Corey's really fast or whatever the kid's name was. And I'm like, dude, we're down by seven runs already. I just want to run around the bases. And he's like, no, you got to get the pitch runner. I didn't get to run around the bases, guys. Just, it's the I only just, action you can take. <laughs> I need to swap out of first base, man. Let Corey run to get our one run so we can still lose the scrimmage. Wait, you could do that? You could get to first base and then they could swap you with someone else? Yeah, it's a pit it's a pinch something or other. Pinch that's I guess that's where pinch means. It was like, never a move a that was pulled in my little league games. That well, sucks. Pinched an emotional nerve, let me tell you, Steve. <laughs> That's such a dick um, move. You're just kids. See, let you play. Just play the game. Just let see, us Nick, play. See, Nick, nobody ever just took you out before you could do anything to just to throw in somebody else. They at least let you out, stay out there. But, Mike, please say that you're not saying that's the equivalent of being beaten to death in a hate crime. No, the juxtaposition was supposed to be humorous, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch, which is the subtext of that. <laughs> Uh, the, the, uh, next, next up to bat, the thumper. Yes. The thumper was one of many nicknames for Ted Williams, who was also known as the kid, the splendid splinter and Teddy ball game. Teddy, uh, Teddy ball ball games. What? No, Teddy ball game. You puerile nincompoops. Uh, during his career, he uh, had a reputation for being kind of uh, ornery uh, or, in general, pissed off at anybody who talked to him uh, because he never, ever won a World Series. Uh, well, lots of people haven't, okay? He's got to yeah, get over but, that. Yeah, but lots of people don't play for the Red Sox. <laughs> Touche. Um, so everyone Mel- else on the team had won, and he's just like, ah, man, 
we're going to win again, right? <laughs> and and Mel Mel Parnell, who was another uh, another player for the Red Sox, and then this this line, which is one of, I I really love this line. And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington, is a reference to the Washington Senators, a baseball team that's existed since 1901, but spent the 50s in such a horrible state that someone wrote a musical about it called the Damn Broadway Yankees. musical Damn Yankees, which I yes. was in. Yes. Uh, who who I, did you play in Damn Yankees, Nick? Um, I was Ensemble slash The Commissioner. Ah, okay. It was my first, it was my first musical. I, I didn't get an uh, actual lead role until the following year. Oh, do you do you remember any of the dance moves you got to do as Commissioner? Oh, I, I do remember all the choreography from the opening song. Because, because I remember, because um, the main character is a fan of the Washington Senators, and he basically signs his soul away to the devil to become a baseball player just so that those damn Yankees don't win again. Hence the title of the show. Nice. Um, so I'll have to to watch that sometime. It's this lyric refers to, I do love that show. I do love that show. Um, this lyric refers to the fact that the only, the senators suck so bad. The only person winning in Washington was Dwight Eisenhower, meaning ran for the presidency and became president during the fifties. That that version of the Washington Centers, by the way, relocated in 1960 and exists today as the Minnesota Twins. Really? Ah. Yeah. And uh, we can skip a bit here because the chorus is the same. The Duke, and the Duke. Yeah, here now it is. my old friend, the bachelor, well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid. And Cookie played hooky to go and see the Duke. Me, I always love Willie May. Those were the days. Uh, so How can you before, not feel good? Oh, I hate the song, song more and more, Mike. What are you talking about? I, it's I just am, references. Uh, it's the family guy of songs. But it's that it's that just that gentle little doop doop doo You know, well, I'm like, sorry, you, Mike, but as we're getting an education, all I can think about are trailblazing African-American baseball players getting killed and uh, short people getting beaten to death. That's all this song is now making me think of. Uh, yeah, what, why, why, what, do you, why do you get a dirty up baseball with all this? With the uh, facts and the <laughs> history of the song. Yeah, why? That's what we do, Mike. We dissect music. <laughs> Anywho, um, so this is the bridge and... Um, the, it's the a beautiful batch- bridge, Steve. It's a beautiful goddamn bridge. And we're going to cross this bridge. The, <laughs> the Bachelor and Cookie, despite appearances, you'd be forgiven given the fact that the rest of the song is like everybody's fucking Avengers Justice League-ass nickname. You'd be forgiven for thinking that The Bachelor and Cookie are also baseball players, but they aren't. They're actually childhood friends of Terry Cashman. And this little bridge is dis- is basically talking about when they were kids together, how they would have fun baseball arguments with each other about who was the greatest. And uh, his old friend, The Bachelor, was a fan of the Oklahoma kid, a.k.a. Mickey Mantle. Uh, Cookie saw Duke Snyder, and Terry always loved Willie Mays. Those were the days, which I want to say is, since this is probably the 70s, at this point in the song, is a reference to, I I guess, All in the Family? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. That might just be me reading into it, though. You know, it's a, it was a crazy time back then, but it sounds like it was, you know, I don't know, you, you hear like sounds like this and summer of 69 and it just feels like everyone wants to go back. But now, I don't know, man. 
Everyone's always saw how well that worked out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everyone's always nostalgic for whenever they were young, except I feel like this generation. I don't see what kid who's like, I'd say ages 7 to 12 right now will look back at this time period and be like, God, those were the good old days. Yeah, I'm not going to be like a 65-year-old man saying, oh, I I missed back when everything was horrible and we were all trapped. Oh, man. I hate having money and a place to live and things to do. (laughs) Oh, God, it sucks. (laughs) You know what, though, guys? One thing that, you know, know, families have been huddled up together. And... And one of one of my most cherished memories uh, as a kid, uh, although for my family it was a, a horrible memory, I guess, but like was the was the ice storm of '96. We lost power all week. Everything was fucking frozen, and we had to start up the fireplace and keep the heat in with all the blankets. And for those few days, it was just it was just the Russell fam. throwing trying to get the ice water out of the basement and make sure we didn't die by you know. Just not die. And for those couple of days, I lived the Oregon Trail, and <laughs> I loved it. You just get the family time is what I'm saying. It's a weird time to have family time. Although I guess people might be sick of family time now that we're about nine months into this thing. Yeah, you were in that for a week. This is considerably longer. <laughs> yeah, when my N64 shut off, I had big problems. <laughs> At least we have power during this. Well, you know, if you're not in... Oh God! Ex- except all right. for, for all except the for like the, <laughs> all the hurricane victims, I'm so sorry. Except for the first week of quarantine, when a transformer went down outside my apartment building, and we didn't have power for a day, and everyone lost their shit because, like, we can't take much more of this. <laughs> so now we're gonna move into the '80s. Well, now it's the '80s, and Brett is the greatest. And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone. Rose is at the vet. Rusty again is a Met. And the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball. <laughs> so baseball. It's, the, it's the 80s, as you could tell by the weird space age sound that he played there for some reason. Like, beep, 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 beep. we're in space because it's the 80s. You know, if Ronald Reagan had just treated drug users and the gays a little better, do you think he would have been recognized as a better president? Wow, Mike, understatement of the fucking century. (laughs) Mike just basically did the back matter blurb to dozens of full-length nonfiction books. Um, So Brett is the greatest as a reference to uh, George Brett, uh, who was playing for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Bobby Bonds you may, may be familiar with, uh, can play for everyone. Bobby Bonds, father of Barry Bonds, um, played at the, throughout the 80s, he played for the San Francisco Giants, the New York Yankees, the California Angels, the Chicago White Sox, the Texas Rangers, the Cleveland Indians, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Chicago Cubs. Over the course of his whole career, he played for eight different teams. Damn. Which I think, I think is a record. Um, and uh, obviously, his son, he and his he and his son, are a power duo in baseball. Though I'm pretty sure his pretty sure Bobby was au natural, if we can be, if we can bring up that steroids, Nick. I'm talking about ah, steroids. I, gotcha. I was like, don't be coy with it, Steve. I'm clueless. <laughs> I thought you were talking about something else, Steve. <laughs> no. 
Wait, you're saying uh, he shaved all of his body hair off before he played? Yes, he had a lapotomy before every game. <laughs> Is that what they call that? A lapotomy? When you shave. It's when they shave a very specific part of you, yes. Oh, well, the you know, I could, actually, I've been meaning to manscape. Someone's got to give me a lapotomy. Uh, Rose is at, I'm going to just gloss over that. Uh, Rose is at the vet. Uh, this lyric refers to the fact that Pete Rose had switched teams in 1979 from the Cincinnati Reds to the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, which played at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. Uh, ah. So he is at the vet at this time. Pete Rose is the only baseball player I had any prior knowledge of as a kid because he would show up to WrestleMania every year in a running <laughs> gag and get chokeslammed by Kane. Like, he showed oh, up one year at WrestleMania and got in Kane's face, like he has just like a celebrity endorser and got in Kane's face and got chokeslammed. So he showed up like two more WrestleManias after that in various disguises as like baseball, uh, 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 oh shit, what do you call them? Like the uh, Philadelphia, like the Philly fanatic. What are those fucking called? Fan mascots? Mascots, uh, mascots yeah, yeah. Like he would show up as various mascots in, in disguise and try to like hit Kane in the back of the head with a tire iron and then he'd get choke slammed for his troubles. That's literally the only baseball I knew. So, so just that guy. Just to clarify, the only celebrity, <laughs> Steve's only relation to understanding celebrities from the 80s are if they were choke slammed by Kane. Pretty much, yeah. I'm not. Uh, look, I'm not proud of it. That's just what it's just. It is what it is, guys. Nick, he, Kane had the choke slam from hell, right? Was that him or the Big Show who was doing those? No, Show had the showstopper. The showstopper, right? So he yes. had the choke slam from hell. Was Kane, dude? Yeah. That's that's a hell of a choke slam. It's gonna make an impression Literally. on, a, on yes. a young buck watching WrestleMania. Just everyone from the '80s, like Michael Jackson, Alf, they all got choke slammed by Kane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not picturing that in my head. Damn you, man. <laughs> it's just like a three-foot-tall Alf. Oh, what's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's Kane! Uh, Rusty reverse to Rusty Staub, who had been a member of the New York Mets uh, from 72 to 75, and then rejoined the Mets in 81. And to bring it back around to what Nick intuited earlier, the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. It's two layers. The baseball player Grover Cleveland Alexander won 373 games in a 19-year career for the Philadelphia Phillies. He was also the subject of a 1952 film called The Winning Team, where he was portrayed by B-movie actor Ronald Reagan, who at this time had just been elected president of the United States. So the character he played in the movie is pitching again, but metaphorically, and instead of pitching baseballs, it's pitching... Uh, welfare reform to the detriment of many. <laughs> but f- I will say, from a lyrical perspective, that's the one thing I can give credit. That is a clever way to tie in the fact that this baseball player is, in a manner of speaking, pitching again. And I and I that and uh, the earlier one, the I got the Dwight Eisenhower one, the damn Ra- damn Yankees reference. I yeah. think those are the those are the only two that require layers. Yes, and, just, and it wasn't just, just like, as political and then, references. Yeah, and then this guy happened. And this guy, he came next. And also these people play baseball. (laughs) Essentially what the song is, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, so after that, it's it's the chorus again where we mention a few other baseball players. Baseball, Carew and Gaylord Perry, Siva, Garvey, Schmidt, and by the blue. If Cooper's town is calling, it's no fluke. They'll be with Willie 
that's they're just repeats so the fucking saccharine. Mickey and so, the Duke, come on, next and along. Come on, Nick, get out of it. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, um, he ended up writing. So, baseball players love this song because they love all these references. It's they imagine, love talking baseball, Steve. Yeah. I tell you, people just love talking, just talking the BS, the baseball shots, man. That's Nick, what's ama- up. imagine if there was a subject that you like talking about that someone wrote a song and you got all the references, like a metal song talking about all the different metal musicians and such. <sighs> Nick, I would, I would no, I would hate that. I hate any kind of music whose lyrics depend on referencing the lifestyle of the music itself. That's why hair metal sucked. That's why a lot of rap sucks. That's why country music sucks. It's like you have to perpetuate the lifestyle of the music itself because the songs don't actually talk about anything. Sorry, Nick, I clearly got a lot on my chest. Uh, Nick, I Nick, didn't know I you have a- such vitriol. Time to make a parody song of talking baseball called Talking Metal. And I'm just going to list every single little metal band with little funnies about them. Um, Vark V. Kurness was killing. Euronymous was willing to See, kill. you can do it. <laughs> yes, Nick. It's a little that black metal reference. Fucking hypocrite. <laughs> um, so he wrote, baseball fans love it. So he, for many, for most of the baseball teams in the league, he wrote a specific version. So I, I sent Nick a couple of them. We've got Talking Mets them Baseball. All. And I burned them all. We got Talking Mets Baseball. The new three were crazy with Rod Keneal and Casey. The Amazons were the brand new kids in town. From the polo grounds to Shea, they played the game their way. By hook and by cook, they wrote a new book when they were around. I'm talking baseball. Roger Craig and Jerry, amazing baseball. Elio, thrown very. Of course it's so easy to write a song about every different team. You're just listing names. It's so easy. Nick, this guy's a genius. He could literally just keep making talking baseball about every t- like, oh, and that's what he did for like the New York Yankees. <laughs> the stadium was built by Ruth the Iron Horse. Shut up! Yankees shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> then after Huggins' reign, they were champions again. When winning became the only game for Marsa Joe, I'm talking baseball. baseball. And Lazari, Yankee Baseball, Henrik, Andy, Carey, Reynolds, Rashi, Goofy's bag of tricks. You can stop. You can stop. God damn it. I don't want to get I don't want to get Nick more upset. I don't want to get Nick more upset. But <laughs> if there's certain people who are listening to this episode who think that this song sounds familiar, it is most likely due to one more variation that Terry Cashman wrote. Uh, for the 17th episode of season three of The Simpsons called Homer at the Bat. Did you guys ever watch, uh, do you know that episode? Yeah, I think I saw this episode. I believe I did too. I've watched most of the early Simpsons, but the gist of that episode was the nuclear power plant softball team was winning thanks to the efforts of Homer, who had a magic bat that he carved Field of Dream style. And in order to win the championship, uh, Mr. Burns hired a bunch of ringers. So very famous baseball players uh, at the time, like Steve Sachs, Ozzie Smith, Wade Boggs, Daryl Strawberry, Jose Canseco, uh, and hired them all to work at the power plant so that they could be on the baseball team and win the game for them. And at various points in the episode, like 
weird happenstance occurs that forces all of them, except for Daryl Strawberry, to not make the game. Like, uh, uh, Ozzie Smith fell into a mystery spot and <laughs> fell through space and time forever and ever in infinity. Uh, uh, Roger Clemens got convinced he was a chicken by a hypnotist. Things like that. Um, and the producers, uh, showrunner Al Jean, um, was wanted to do a big leagues baseball episode, and the writers were big baseball fans. And the writers of the episode, John Schwartzwelder, uh, uh, knew, uh, because he's a baseball fan, knew about Terry Cashman's song. So they actually got Terry Cashman to write one more version of Talkin' Baseball, and it's Talkin' Softball. <laughs> well, Mr. Burns had done it. The power plant had won it. With Roger Clemens clucking all the while Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile We're talking softball From Maine to San Diego Talking softball Manningly and Conseco Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw Steve Sachs and his running with the law We're talking home and the straw We're talking softball From Maine to San Diego Talking softball Mattingly and Conseco Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw Steve Sachs and his running with the law We're talking Homer Ozzy and the straw <laughs> Uh, oh, so. I love it. I love that they got him. See, this is beautiful. Because he wasn't this making is... enough money from the previous three versions of the song. Now, now, Nick, just because... I'm sorry, I'm very upset, Steve and Mike. <laughs> you, you, I don't think I've... In the 150 plus episodes we've done, have seen you this upset about a song. <sighs> I've just never seen something so shamelessly a cash grab. You know what? Maybe he really loves the sport. Sure, it doesn't matter. The end result is the same. You got like five versions of the same fucking song. You hate baseball. I think it's. I think it I goes hate down it a to... little bit more after this episode. Yes, <laughs> you. So Nick, yes. So Nick, I just sent you another link. Okay, if you could pull that link up and play it, I would love to, Steve. I'm. I'm sorry you hate this song so much. And I'm very upset and saddened that you don't like self-referential material. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God, Steve. <sighs> well, Nick and Mike begun and then Steve appeared for fun and together they dissected lots of songs. Rebecca Black, her Friday's hell Risque as for your dick to smell Limp Biscuits running around committing music wrongs They're talking bad songs talking bad songs Bill Shatner and Rasputin Soldier Boy and all his many schemes Kanye West is going to extremes We're talking Fergie the Kashi and the Beebs. Steve. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Sooner <laughs> submitted. Mike Russell was committed. And Steve ignored the premise of the show. 
<laughs> Nick had tried to keep on track with little Yachty's bring it back. And now and then a guest would come to say hello. They're talking bad songs for Halloween and Christmas. Talking bad songs. Rapometer never misses. Soldier boy <laughs> and all his many schemes. Kanye West is going to extremes. We're talking Fergie. Takashi and the Beeps. Steve, how many verses is this song? <laughs> I love this. Robin Thicke made blurred lines out of something Marvin Gaye composed. And Jake Paul went to the mall to get himself arrested. Imagine Dragons made lots of crap. Fuck Nickelback. <laughs> yes! Oh! And Mike was huff and puffin while Nick was screaming, damn those Christmas shoes. And Steve considered homicide when Little Pump began to ride till Shayna Lynette appeared to give him great reviews. They're talking bad songs from Maine to San Francisco, talking bad songs with ICP and Cisco, Drake and auto tuning with machines. All Star is the song that never leaves. We're talking Fergie, Takashi and the Beeps. Oh, God. <laughs> We're talking Fergie, Takashi and the Beeps. We're talking Fergie, Takashi and the Beeps. Ah. Oh. oh. Brains <laughs> joyful tears to your eyes, don't it, Nick? Oh, Steve, that was brilliant. Steve. <laughs> so I I'm a whirlwind of emotions. On the one hand, this is beautiful and touching in a weird way, and also incredibly mas masturbatory of us to just be kind of regaling ourselves with the previous songs that we've done. It's very impressive. Uh Rhyme scheme is great, but it's for a song that I truly hate, which also <laughs> rhymed accidentally. Uh, <laughs> but congratulations, like uh, Steve. <laughs> let me let give me give him the hand. Give him a hand, Nick. If you, the <sighs> fact that you hate the song so much that this beautiful homage parody was made with, I think is just fitting. Right. I just figured it was a meta commentary a little bit because it is a song, it is a parody of a self, it's a self-referential parody of a song that is also a self-referential song. That's true. Like, we, you did also am, just list previous artists. Although, yeah. no, that's not true. You rhymed in a very clever way, Steve. You were much better than, what's his name, who wrote this nonsense. So, listeners, go back and listen to every other episode we've ever done yes. so you can get all of those references. And the, see, it's also a good promo tool. I'm going to tell you what. That you, just, you, just made, you just made so many people so happy. The, 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 the and they're all dedicated... named Mike Russell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I I'm adding that to my playlist. That's uh, when I need to go to my happy place. That's it. Hell yeah, maybe we'll find some way to release this as a standalone single for all of our listeners to pop it on whenever they 
want to get a speed run of all the episodes we've done. Now, now, you Nick, know, you, in my you, defense, you say that you know damn well there's there are good peeps out there who want to hear some. Oh, go ahead. Now, Nick, in my defense, I didn't know how much you would hate this song <laughs> when I did this. I'm sorry, Steve. Our podcast is bad, bizarre, noteworthy music. Um, there were indicators, <laughs> and and I I enjoy the fact that you immediately had critiques. <laughs> like instantaneously had critiques. Yes, yes, Steve. I learned watching you. <laughs> oh man, I kept this a secret for a week. Oh, I'm impressed, Steve. I wouldn't have been able that was to just keep killing this. me. You, you kept this. You kept this hidden well. You did, and, bravo. Uh, and I a, had and no sh- idea. I had no idea you were doing this. And a shout out to. Uh, uh, I will also in the notes to when we do the posts. Uh, I do a link. And I'll send you a link to his website, too. Uh, one of my best friends and a listener of the show, Andy, he's a, a DJ, and he's the one who uh, I recorded the... I got the music and recorded the lyrics. He's the one that mixed it for me with that fun little uh, nostalgic reverb, reverb in it. Oh, so, yeah. No, it was a, uh, shout out. Very well to produced. My, my, Absolutely. My shout best out. friend, Andy. Thank you very Fantastic. much, Andy. Thank you. I have you. to send you something to put in the... When we do the Apple podcast post or whatever to... Hopefully, get him some. Get him some. Some people looking at his. Get work. him some love. Get this DJ some some ears, some ear holes into to stuff he's. I was gonna say beating out, but like you know, he's got the he's making the beat rocking beats. Mm. Uh, but that's all I got, guys. Believe it or not, and that's plenty. That is that is a lot. Wow, Steve. Steve, this may have become one of my favorite episodes. Just... <laughs> And this has become Nick's least favorite episode. <laughs> this is my most conflicted episode now, Steve. You at least turned it around to that. <laughs> it was just like, I was like, I was sitting here grinning like a shithead as Nick was going on. I was like, God, I hate this kind of self-referential. They don't say anything. They just reference old things, a self-master. I hate it. I hate it. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, I'm so sorry you feel that you way. Don't, you don't say. You <laughs> But that's talking baseball. <clears throat> yes, yes, we certainly did. Uh, uh, but Steve, crack job on the research and the f- whole goddamn parody song. Uh, wow. Um, and yes, thank you, thank you for bringing the song to my attention. And I'm sure welcome. to many listeners as well. Unless I was the only one who was out of the loop on it. On what? On the fact the song existed. Oh, Mike's yeah. just generally out of the loop. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Uh, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, check us out on so- on all the social media pages, as well as Dapper Devil Productions, if you want to see some cool stuff there. And you can find me on social media. Just look for Nick Brigadier. I'm pretty much the only one. And uh, Mike, where can we find you? You can find me on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. And, uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, check out all our stuff. Come see our Sontopsy Report Instagram. Answer some polls. Send some DMs. Don't send your dick pics. But why don't you send us an answer to this uh, week's question of, uh, who's your favorite baseball slash softball player? And if you don't know one, just listen to this episode and pick (laughs) one of the 5,000 names that was mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the service we offer. It's a it's a pretty uh you know uh, something something easy this week just something something nice I don't and, know what's my, who's your favorite who's your favorite uh, fictional or real baseball softball player or you know dick pics whatever <laughs> just, just, <laughs> you know, like, for, for, for yeah for, for, 
Forget the baseball player. Just send your dicks. Okay. <laughs> Mike, send us your dicks, Russell. Uh, and Steve, where can we find you? Yeah, that one was too long. Couldn't fit on his baseball card, Nick. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Your Man Trollo, on the Dapper Devil Productions website, and on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com. And uh, you, eventually, my YouTube page will have this, uh, presuming that this song posted for public consumption, presuming uh, YouTube doesn't take it down immediately. I think we'll see. Uh, and with that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. I am Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm talking about literally anything else from now on. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next week. Take care.